Hello, everyone. Welcome back to HR Works Podcast, 5-Minute Fridays. I'm your host, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. The pandemic saw record levels of data insecurity from every imaginable angle, but are you aware that stressed employees lead to a significant portion of those issues? Today's guest is here to discuss the relationship between workplace stress and data exposure. I'm very pleased to have with me today David Powell, president at ProtoScore. David, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Yeah, happy to be here, Jim. And this is interesting for me because this is a blending of kind of two of my backgrounds is now at ProtoScore, we have this employee visibility, but I came out of the cybersecurity space. So the intersection of those two things is our topic today, which is which is really relevant. It's always nice when you when you get to use your full background or at least a good portion of it. Not always the case. That's right. So could you just go over briefly what the relationship between workplace stress and data exposure is? And is that a direct correlation or what's going on there? Yeah, you know, I think there's always that idea, is it correlated or is there a causal relationship between something? And I definitely think that there's a causal relationship between this, is that the data is, um, from research is very clear. They've done a lot of research with like nurses, with doctors, with airline pilots, and that stress always yields negative outcomes. Like 88% of airline crashes are attributed to pilot error, human error. And then when you look at like nursing situations and doctors in the stressful environment and OR, so that actually just plays out all the way through into whatever part of the workforce that it is. So when they're stressed, they make mistakes. And those mistakes can seem to be pretty small, um, but they can have large consequences, just like when you think about business email compromise or configuration in a firewall or password maintenance, you know, and people are stressed. They don't want a long password. They just want to be able to type in something really quick. So those those stressful impacts really um, play out in a whole range of areas inside an organization. You did give a few uh, quick examples there, but do you mind just sort of going into the details about precisely how a stressed employee can end up exposing data? Yeah. So a great example of that is a place I used to work, we had an ethical hacking team. And so we would be contracted to do um, intrusion, you know, projects where, hey, come see, come see if you can hack into us. So I was talking to our certified ethical hackers one day, and it's like, how do you get past multi-factor authentication, you know, is you think that's kind of this panacea that fixes all the things. They're like, oh, David, it's super easy. I'm like, oh, well, tell me about it. And they said that they would they would fish your credentials, you know, so they send you an email that looks legitimate, and they'd get your username and login when you went to the fake Microsoft web page to enter your stuff. So once they fished that, what they would do is they'd go to the actual Microsoft page to reset your credentials, and it would pop up the place where you're supposed to enter the text that comes to your phone. Well, they would call you because your phone number would be in your email signature, right? So they'd call your cell phone and they would say, Jim, this is David from IT. Man, you are not in trouble, okay? This is, we've caught this early. And so what they're doing is they're putting the employee under stress immediately, right? It's like, they think they're the ones that had this huge breach. The whole company has got to be taken down. It's like, hey, Jim, we called it though. We don't have to report this to HR. You're not in trouble, but we're going to go in and fix this for you. So we're going to reset your credentials. In just a second, you're going to get a text with a number in it. I need you to read that number to me. And again, you're not in trouble. And he said like 99% of the time, the guy's like, oh my gosh, was I the, was I the guy? And then they would read the number. It would come across their text. It could say 0373. Like, okay. And then he's like, hey, Jim, don't log in for a little bit. We're going to get this cleaned up and you'll be good to go. And then all of a sudden they have full access, you know, into the environment. So people are so scared to be wrong and so scared to be the person that screwed something up that really the bad actors can exploit that by placing an employee under stress and then getting them to do something they normally 
wouldn't do them. You know, under normal circumstances, you might be like, "Where are you, David? Are you sure you're with our IT department? Do you have a callback number that I could call and verify that you're with our IT department? And what floor are you on in our building? All those kind of questions. But when you're under stress, you don't do that. You're just like, oh, "Okay," and you respond. And so the bad actors are able to take advantage of that, and our certified ethical hackers were able to play into that as well and see that that was a risk point for most organizations that employees are stressed. And they respond differently when they are. Very clever. It's a it's a nice blend of you know technological skills and social engineering there. <laughs> it is. It is. And they they evolve. You know, I mean, that's the my been my takeaway as I've looked into this stuff over the years. You know, so that's incredibly clever. Yeah. Another one is we had a mortgage client, and um, the bad guys were able to compromise their email. And they sat and watched all this email traffic go back and forth. And they found a law firm that they used to close business. And so the bad guys went and bought the domain name exactly the same as a law firm, except instead of an I, they used a capital, they used an L, right? And so they waited till there was a transaction. And then they sent an email from what looked like the law firm to the accounts payable person and saying, hey, we've got a new... Um, wire address, please wire the money to this. And they even use syntax, right? Like, hey, Jim, good to see you again. We look forward to the closing on Tuesday. Here's the new wiring address. And she wired the money, $250,000. And she actually looked, she went up and like looked at the domain name and it looked the same. Well, what you don't want is speed there. What you want is for that person to go to the CFO and say, hey, is this really, do they really have a new Wiring account, this seems odd, but when you're under stress, again, you don't take all those extra steps. You just do it quick because who wants to be the person that you're supposed to wire that money? Why didn't you do it? Like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, so all those things play out in really negative ways for organizations. Yeah. And, you know, I was going to ask about, and I think you've sort of answered it, but, you know, people look at workplace stress, particularly in the office environment as sort of like a, is that some people are, are almost proud of it. You know, like I only slept yeah. four hours last night. You know, it's not a big deal. Maybe I'll make a mistake on a spreadsheet. Maybe I'll uh, put a wrong amount in somewhere or something like that. And all that's correctable. But I, you know, as you're beginning to let, you know, explain the consequences for this kind of mistake can be incredibly high. Yeah. And, you know, Jim, I think there's this idea that before coronavirus, where there was this like idea of performative grinding, kind of like what you were talking about is I'm going to be the last person to leave the office and everything. And I have a friend who is a lawyer and their culture was that you couldn't leave early, even if you were done. So on Friday afternoons, he's sending me YouTube videos of cars. Right. And I'm like, dude, why are you still at the office? And he said, well, I can't leave early because that, and he was a managing partner, but all this paralegals are probably surfing Facebook because they can't leave until he leaves. <laughs> you know, so there was this performative theater around I'm working so hard which may or may not have been, you know, accurate um, in the pre-coronavirus times in the workplace. Yeah, and that's a whole that's a whole can of worms there. But you know, a lot of the examples you gave, it was people getting stressed into doing the wrong thing, you know, and that can be a, that's a company culture thing where if someone's afraid they're going to get you know talked to because they didn't put through a transaction quick enough. Correct. I mean, here's one of the consequences of it. Oh, we got time for one more quick question. Um, you guys sent over some materials and you mentioned that stressed and overworked employees are more likely to fight back. Um, can you explain what, what that means and what the impact uh, on an organization is? 
you know, what we're finding is that it's more about the person than the place. Is that Protoscore's data shows that highly productive employees were productive in the office and they're productive outside of the office. And that low productivity employees were productive, air quotes, in the office. And then it fell off a cliff when they went home it's from that lack of, you know, inspection. And I think what you see when you kind of like talk to people is this idea that they're, we talk about work-life balance, but there's really less work-life separation now. You know, is that before, if you and I were in a tense negotiation meeting, well, maybe I had 20 minutes to drive home my commute and I could kind of decompress and get ready to be home life, David. Now you and I have this tense negotiation and then I click end on the Zoom call and I walk 10 feet to the dinner table and suddenly I'm in dad dad mode, right? So people talk about work-life balance, but it's a little bit of this work-life separation that's that's lacking now. And so why do people lash out is they feel that companies are like, you know, imposing on their personal time. We see productivity going up, but does that actually mean job satisfaction is going up when you're working kind of seven to seven, you start your first Zoom call at seven, you end it at seven. And I think that in the pre-coronavirus times, there's this expectation of unavailability. You were on a plane, you were in the car commuting, whatever. Now people expect to be able to get hold of Jim whenever, right? Because Jim's just at his house. And so that I think is why people tend to want to lash out is the it feels like the company's imposition on their personal time is really high now because that line just does not exist. Whereas before it's pretty blurry. Now the line doesn't exist at all between work and um, home life. And lashing out is bad. Yeah, it really is. And, <laughs> and it's hard to tell, you know, one of the things we talk about at Protoscore is our tool can be like the check engine light where we can, you know, flash and say like, hey, something's not going on right with Jim. Jim used to be really productive and now his productivity is down. That doesn't mean you fire Jim, but it, his check engine line is flashing. And if the check engine light in your car is flashing, you don't keep driving, right? You go get it looked at. So that means I need to have a conversation with Jim like, hey, Jim, what's up? And it could be, you know, we've got family problems. I've got a sick relative or my manager is not inspiring and I feel disengaged from work or it could be a, any number of things. But if you wait for that conversation to occur much later, then those things fester, right? It doesn't get better on its own. It's better to have those conversations early than it avoids the lashing out later. Absolutely. Well, Dave, that's about all the time we have, but uh, yeah, I want to thank you again for uh, for taking the time to speak with me. I appreciate it, Jim. And these are real, these are real topics that are occur. These conversations are happening in every uh, prospect we talk to. So I appreciate the fact that you're covering this information. Absolutely. Absolutely. I certainly hope you are all enjoying these smaller episodes. If you think that you might have something to share for one of these, please reach out to us at hrdaeditors at blr.com with your pitch. Remember, you can always follow us on Twitter at HRWorksPodcast, and we are also now available on Spotify and Audible. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Davis with HRWorks.